It's been a long time coming, but welcome everyone to episode two of the Retro Football Show. Uh, the last time we were here, myself, Kirk Buckner, my co-host, Paul Lawrence. How you doing, Paul? Great. We looked at the ice bowl and we were cold, but we're now going to sunny Miami where we're looking at Super Bowl three and... While this game itself may not be the most entertaining to watch, it is one of the most important games in probably football history. Would you agree? Oh, certainly. I mean, when you look at the context going in, just to remind everybody of, of our history here. Mm -hmm. So here we are with um, just the third game between the, uh, what was then, still the NFL and, and the AFL. Uh, the merger had already been agreed to, but was not in place yet. So we still had the two separate leagues and, as history reminds us, right, the Packers won the, both the first two, what was then called the world championship between the NFL and the AFL. But with this game, it actually was the first of these to be labeled the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. three of that being it. And, um, yeah, it was, um, you know, that the, the trend to continue with the dominance by the NFL and the two previous Super Bowls and the AFL prior to the merger trying to claim their legacy and that they're an equal – uh, player. Uh, however, in this game, right, um, the, the Colts have had a 13-1 and season, kind of dominated the NFL. I mean, Absolutely. not a huge way in terms of stats and performance, but with a record way of being. Uh, very dominant defense, solid quarterback play by a backup quarterback. I'm sure we're going to talk quite a bit about him. Mm -hmm. And into this game is the prohibitive favor, right? I think uh, 19, 19 and a half point. 19 and a half points, which actually yeah. sort of is a great segue for our sponsor. Our sponsor, <laughs> Betstamp. Uh, Betstamp, thank you for sponsoring us. And uh, if you were to have gambled on the Super Bowl three back then, and let's just say you had all the tools that were available to you, Betstamp would have been the perfect way to go. Although maybe in this case, you may not have needed it. Sorry, sponsor. But... Yes, like you, like uh, Paul said, it was a 19 and a half point spread, but maybe you weren't convinced. So you want a line shop. Now there's a lot more gambling options now than there was then, but let's just say we have a 19 and a half point spread and everything. I, however, screwed up because I'm very immature. So I bet a lot of money on Oral Roberts just so, so I could say I bet on Oral. <laughs> I did actually do that, which is kind of unfortunate. 50 going on 12, but anyway. Never said I was mature. But with Betstamp, you can find the best line for you. So let's just say you weren't quite sure about the about the Colts and you found something that might have been, I don't know, 16 and a half. Well, this is basically where it's, it's like Trivago for betting. And that's what Betstamp does for you. Uh, there's also, if you're like me and you're really not good at betting, they've got experts. They don't care what they're just putting out all the lines. They they want you to win. So it's if you are a serious gambler, even if you're an amateur gambler of any kind of sports, this is the site for you. And and I've got a promo code. I have a promo code. It's Buck, because that's me, I'm the Buck. Huh? 25. Buck 25. So just download that. And even if you don't, you're not a gambler, do what my brother did. He just downloaded it just for me. Come on, help us out. We're struggling here. Buck 25. Buck stamp. <laughs> All right. I, that may not have been the exact copy they want me to do, but I, 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 it was right here from the heart. Also, I know it's the Jets, but I don't have any Jets gear, so I went with the Winnipeg Jets. Nice. Nice touch. 
<laughs> yeah, actually, I, I, I learned from our friend Vinny. Apparently, that's where they got the name from. That's what he tell he tells me. The Winnipeg Jets yeah. were named after the New York Jets. Could be. I don't know. Uh, well, it, of course, you know the other the other big history about this game, mm-hmm. right? Is the famous prediction, right? Yes. Yeah. Before but, the yeah. game, and Joe yeah. Namath, as I recall, was sitting around the pool lounging and just talking to reporters something that by the way would never happen at super bowl this you know they, they control that media coverage mm-hmm. pretty tight uh has to do the coaches but no he was just chatting him up with, with the media and i you know i don't know i've never really read his sort of interpretation whether it was ab lib kind of flippant kind of comment or whether he was trying to kind of be provocative and probably was to get his name in the paper nowadays people would think mm-hmm. maybe bit of reverse psychology being thrown out there i don't know whether he thought about that but it certainly created the buzz i don't know how much buzz it affected going into the game but through history it has now resonated right as the famous prediction by joan Mm -hmm. that turned out to be right and i think a lot of people to that point probably thought like you don't know what you're talking about i mean we just watched uh the colts destroy destroy the Browns, they shut them out. It was uh, it was 34 nothing. Uh, and while your team just got barely got by Oakland, you we've already established in our minds you're the inferior league. Uh, when we were listening to sort of the broadcast, Kurt Gowdy, who we'll talk about quite a bit today, uh, he was talking about how there was actually some bets being placed. Maybe you can do that on bet stamp, huh? See what I did? Uh, where they were saying that the Jets may not even get a point. So there was probably nobody in that stadium who thought that the Jets were going to win, except for maybe a few people, a few people who were the Jets. Uh, I was going back through history because I was trying to explain to some people, because I I think, I mean, I don't feel old, but when I'm talking to people in their early 20s and they say, because they they know like at my local watering hole that that I sometimes do these shows and they say, what are you doing uh, next? Super Bowl three. What? There, how, how how far ago was that? Like, what, what do you remember watching it? No, it's so old. I wasn't alive yet. <laughs> I don't remember seeing it because I was not alive. Actually, when we the first Super Bowl I remember was actually the Eagles Raiders. That I remember, but we'll eventually get to that. So I'm trying to explain to this person that how important this game was, and so you know what I showed him was a Simpsons clip. And maybe you know which one I'm talking about, Paul? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. And so for those who haven't seen it, it's perfect. It, it's it's where Homer learns his mother's still alive because he was hey, under the impression that she Homer wasn't, cute. but she turned out to be sort of like a counterculture revolutionary. But it was Super Bowl three basically that inspired her on her path when Joe Namath took off his helmet and those glorious sideburns and hair sort of revealed her inner tiger or whatever you want to call it. And then there's Abe saying, look at those sideburns. Those look like a girl's. There's Johnny Unitas. That's a haircut you could uh, subscribe to. And we would see later. So I act probably from that, I actually thought, because I never really did a deep dive into this before. So I thought essentially, I mean, just reading some what, some things that people have written before. Actually, there was an awful article on Bleacher Report back when pretty much anyone could write the Bleacher Report that said how, talking about how Namath needs to be kicked out of the Hall of Fame just because oh, you beat Johnny Unitas. Well, technically he didn't. 
but you know, I think a lot of people believe that narrative. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun really watching that game. Namath was a star because quarterback should be. I can see why he became more of a star. I was actually watching a lot more just stuff of Namath as a personality. After this, he had his own talk show for about 13 episodes. Uh-huh. Uh, he helped propel the league into another stratosphere in terms of his popularity. And you it's kind of interesting because, you know, when you talk about the best quarterbacks in NFL history or pro football history, right? Um, it's interesting, you know, his name never comes up for some obvious reasons, mm-hmm. even, in, even in the era that he played. Well, he was the first court pro quarterback, right, to throw for 4,000 yards in a season. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some of that, and he won two league MVPs in the AFL. But when people talk about the history of quarterbacks in the NFL, if they look at it in terms of accomplishments and career stats and their overall sort of legacy, um, he never he never is in that conversation. But when you turn the conversation to more of a broader, like, historical impact of quarterbacks who raise the profile of the game, even quarterbacks, if, you, if you're old enough, like the people know by name, he, he comes up you know, you know, as a celebrity quarterback, which we call them today, and man, there's all kinds of them, but back in here, is there a, yeah, I mean, you go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and, you know, they have a really neat kind of 3D video, movie thing you sit in where they have the beat 3D images about famous players kind of walking you through history and talking about the game. And they have, you know, they have Lombardi, some of an actor playing Lombardi and some other. They use Joe Namath. Um, and it's amazing how often the lead today and the hall kind of use name as, you know, to kind of profile and raise, you know, kind of in their PR marketing piece because he has a persona which exceeded his game and his career. Now, this game is obviously the, the highlight of that, but it's just interesting that when you think about Super Bowl quarterbacks and the best quarterbacks of the 60s or in NFL history, his name rarely comes up. And yet, a lot of people know Joe Namath. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think the key word sometimes we forget. The last word of that whole thing uh, is fame. Didn't necessarily say greatness. Didn't say competence. It's fame. And Joe Namath is that guy. He was, I would argue, from what I've been reading and from what I recall, even just as a little kid, I knew who Joe Namath was. Even when I first started knowing what football was, I knew who Joe Namath was, even though I didn't know that he didn't even play anymore. You know, that, that that's how big he was. He was the yep. guy who was still doing TV, commercials, yep. uh, like all that stuff. He was a larger than life character. And as I'm sort of like watching some of those other interviews that he did, he was one of those guys who didn't give the stock answers. He didn't give... Uh, mm-hmm. He had swagger before we even heard that word. Yeah, and he was really, I mean, we think about, again, the history of the NFL. I mean, recently, maybe not so much, but so much of it was establishment, right? I mean, and you think about this game, right? You, mm-hmm. you heard it earlier, right? I mean, it's it's not it's not generalizing to say that the NFL and the Baltimore Colts and Johnny Unitas were the establishment, the old school, how the game was played, you know, how people viewed the game. And maybe exaggerating to some extent, but the AFL was sort of 
there's some truth is there's also some false narrative that they were the innovator that they opened up the game that they were a counterculture of the 60s anti-establishment and that plays out here because Namath was and that image that he had right grew out of his year mm -hmm. and of course the time of in the 60s and early 70s but then he he created that as his image and like you say was in popular culture even to this day you mentioned the simpsons episode mm -hmm. it, he's a cultural reference that you will see much more than many other of his peers um and yeah this game is a piece of all of that and a big piece of it but there's more to namath and his legacy beyond this um that has continued to this day and it is interesting you pointed out that, that a lot of fans know the name recognize it even though they may know very little about him as a player or this game yeah it's uh there's always a story right so like when we watched ice bowl there were so many stories also there but we had really the older players against the young upstarts here we have the old thought against the new thought yep. old school against the new school and, it's, and it was never more apparent than when they would show Johnny Unitas. Again, that's mm -hmm. a haircut you can sort of like <laughs> set your watch <laughs> there. And it was your it was your quarterback versus your father's quarterback. Yeah, and you know Unitas, as you mentioned, um, was injured this this season and was healthy for the playoffs. But coaches decided to to stay with with Earl Morrell, who has a very interesting story of his own. Yeah, mm -hmm. Unitas here isn't at his prime, right? He he's um, sort of at the we would play some more years, obviously, but he was at the tail end of his career. And you're right, really represented a quarterback of the, you know, mid to late 50s, early 60s NFL focus. Um, the pre-Super Bowl era. Yeah. And it's quite a distinct contrast. You really don't have to stretch to see it when you look at the two teams and the two quarterbacks. Yeah, and uh, Earl's a really interesting case, too, because yep. I was trying to think of something like it, because here's someone who, uh, so Johnny goes down early in the season, Earl throws for a league leading, I think, I want to say yep. 28, it was 28 or 26, I can't recall, uh, uh, touchdown passes, which for that year was phenomenal. Uh, did everything you needed him to do, was named the MVP already, because I, I thought maybe that happened after, but they they mentioned in this broadcast, mm -hmm. I know he was already the MVP, so you go with the guy who sort of like brought you here. He brought you to a 13-1 record. It's like, and you're not that worried about the Jets because they yeah. weren't. And I, I, when we covered the Ice Bowl, we didn't. We said we're not going to do Super Bowl two because it didn't matter. I don't want to say that it didn't matter, but that was essentially the championship. Yeah. I think a lot of people thought, okay, you beat Cleveland. This is just sort of like uh, this is like when the United States beat Finland after they beat the Soviet Union in 1980 hockey. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to come up with, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, off the top of my head. There you go. Uh, but it, it was not something that you thought was, hence the 19 and a half point spread. I don't know if that's the biggest spread ever in Super Bowl history, but it's got to be, or close to. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, and yeah, even even today, that would come across as something quite, quite shocking. And uh, in, the, in the day and age we're in today, we're gambling as much more common and promoted um but yeah it, it and it this, this was one of, you know you hear the expression you know the, the the victory that shocked the world or something like that analogy and it's sometimes overplayed mm -hmm. um and i don't i don't know how much i think i haven't looked at the media reports after this game was played how much of it was really resonated which certainly an upset given we just talked about mm -hmm. 
but it is a game that shocked the world that has read it continues to this day right if you watch the super bowl every year and the previews up to it and all of the media content you you cannot sit through that every year and not you will see references to this game you will see mm-hmm. a famous you know they always have those quick little five second clips from all these historical super bowls and the one that you always see with this game right is joe namath running out of the stadium into the tunnel right from the back with his hand up in the air pointing you know number one mm-hmm. you see that every year you don't see that for a super bowl um you know, but you see it for this one every time they show the super bowl yeah. it still resonates with history yes yeah uh, so it's brought to us by nbc sports uh january 12th 1969 in miami at the orange bowl 72 degrees uh in the overdub they say that they could have sold uh 150,000 tickets i don't know if that's true or not but it was a full full capacity unlike super bowls one and two so uh i think this also shows the, the elevation and growth of football in the united states and as we're sort of continuing this we're we're going to be watching this sort of overtake baseball at some point. Uh, we're not there yet. It's going to be a while before we get there, but it's going to happen. Uh, Kurt Gowdy is doing play by play with a bit of analysis here and there from by Kyle Rote and Al Derogatis. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Jim Simpson will also be there for a little bit, but uh, Gowdy gets to be pretty much the star of the show. It's more or less a one man booth where the other people are just sort of jumping in here. Uh, so he uh, he goes and tells the obvious story about Joe Namath and the guarantee. Uh, so this was making the rounds. Anyone who had, and like you said, uh, this was all through the newspaper and all the kids watching. The newspaper is basically the internet on paper. <laughs> That's what it was, kids. <laughs> yeah, and god it's like 11 years before espn before all of this stuff i mean like this would have been non-stop news whether namath could have handled such a thing or anyone could yeah um, i mean i don't know how much the modern media and social media sometimes through their own doing undoes people oh for what to yeah. point out i was inspired by our last episode by all the signs so i decided today's drink would be pabst even though it's not my uh, really good beer but it was all part <laughs> of the whole green bay thing so I, I saw that and I thought I'm just going to buy a couple just for this purpose. There you go. Yeah. Into the spirit of the spirit uh, of- <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so, but other stories. It's not just all about Joe Namath. Uh, we got Weeb Eubank, who is the first yeah. person already to have won an NFL title and mm-hmm. an AFL title. Uh, so, and he's going up against Don Shula, who we used to coach or used to not coach, uh, who used to be under his coaching yep. tree. Sorry. So, yeah, an argument that Webb is one of the most underrated head co- head coaches in NFL history. I, I will totally agree with that. So much so yeah. that when I was just doing some other research and all that, when you type in weeb, then the first thing that comes up is apparently this is people who are really into Japan's anime or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, His I'm not name even, doesn't come up. <laughs> well, it comes up at second under whatever the hell this weeboo thing is. I, I, I don't, I never heard of that word. Yeah. Well, okay, it's not... Maybe the show isn't for all of you kids. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, and we're beginning to see. Yeah, and then it's it's a nice contrast again because we are on the other side of this on the other sideline, right? We were seeing Don Shula, you know, the real, youngin. Yeah, yeah, early in a career that would go on to, you mm-hmm. know, um, be one of the best coaches in NFL history, and of course, um, eventually secure the, the the record for most wins by a coach. But this is early on, mm-hmm. and he's gotten. Um, 
you know, a very talented, as we said, very talented, well-experienced team um, who had a great season and managed to survive mm-hmm. that shift of quarterbacks. And here, here we are um, with it's another. A, it's a great story. I mean, like, yeah. I was wondering, like, so you talk about this whole shift in quarterbacks. Now, I know that it's not the same as Unitas, but I was trying to think of any time that somebody stepped in for somebody this good and did this well. And the only thing I could think of, and it's not quite the same thing, it's actually reversed in terms of their stature. And there's probably something that I haven't thought of, but like when Brady replaced Bledsoe. Yeah, that's probably the closest analogy that that you could you could make to the, the same um, situation of someone falling in. And and of course, um, you know, morale. This would not be the first time. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But um, this this is this game is. I don't know how to describe it. Sort of the career path that he would take would be very similar to this game. And we'll maybe be talking about him in a future episode, but he... Uh, I think we will be, yes. He was a career backup quarterback, but he reached the pinnacle multiple times. And this is uh, his first experience at that kind of level. He has a very interesting career. I think you would still characterize him as a career backup, but a guy who, when called upon at the highest level in the most important game of the season would end up delivering that multiple times in his career and here but he not today a shot would well, not today but going in mm-hmm. had a shot yes all right so the jets win the coin toss and this is back then where actually it was only recently when pretty much if you won the coin toss that meant uh we're going to defer but now you always receive or then you always receive uh so oh god in my notes i put indianapolis <laughs> uh, yes, I, I, I've done that a few times. I'm sure because yeah. every time I'm looking through everything, it's like CLT. They mean Colts. It's like yeah. I, I was getting thrown off the whole time, and it's. I was just even talking against somebody about this before, and oh, so who was in Super Bowl three? The New York Jets against the Baltimore Colts. Oh, I didn't know that the Ravens used to be called the Colts. Like no, yeah. You know, there's the Indianapolis Colts. Like oh, <laughs> well, he's 23. Yeah. But he, but he, but he pour he pours a, a solid beer. So there you go. Uh, I'll bring you up here when he when he visit uh, the peg. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so Lou Michaels, uh, we're going to talk about him for a bit. He's a half defensive back, half ki- half kicker. He hopefully he was a better defensive back than he was a kicker because he's. <laughs> uh, so he he kicks off, and uh, Earl Christie. This is his last ever NFL game, uh, mm. only third year. Uh, brings it brings it to the twenty three. So. We only meet the the Jets' offense. They don't do the defense. So I'll just run down the offense of each team as per the fine graphics of NBC. And they were super happy about their graphics, <laughs> which I guess was state-of-the-art then. <laughs> so we got quarterback Joe Namath, <laughs> running backs Emerson Boozer, Matt Snell, a flanker Don Maynard, who, yeah, he had an interesting game. Uh, split end George Sauer. Uh, left tackle Winston Hill, who did not get enough credit from Gowdy, and but we'll give him that today. Uh, left guard Bob Talamini, same. Center John Schmidt. Right guard Randy Rasmussen. Right tackle Dave Herman. And tight end Pete Lamons. All right, so we pretty much uh, slather rinse repeat from our last one because we're just going right to the rut, right to the ground, and just like like the ice bowl, and we're just going to run the same person. Snell's rushing for three. 
Uh, Snell again for nine gets the first first down. And uh, Matt Snell is somebody I wasn't that familiar with. Uh, but 1964 AFL Rookie of the Year. Uh, and this year he had his third AFL All-Star because they called them All-Stars, not Pro Bowls. So it's like, okay, the Jets were really building something because they had back-to-back -back Rookies of the Year in Snell and Namath, you know, on this. Um, you could argue that this was really Matt Snell's last good game because he was yeah. beset by injuries. I think I, w I read that he only had 285 yards more for the rest of his career. Uh, and I think he got, uh, I'll say this now, since pretty much if you're watching this, you already know the result of this. So I'm not really giving anything out. Uh, <laughs> name would be named MVP. Matt Snell should have been the MVP in this game. Yeah. yeah you'd agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you look at the, the stats, the key plays, you know, all the kind of things you put it together and it wasn't a high scoring game. Uh, and it was a run-based game, as we said, which is pretty common, even for the AFL at that time. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there, there, there certainly could be, and many have made a strong case for him. To be yeah. So, I mean, I wonder how we'd be looking at this today or his career today. I mean, not on the hall of fame because Again, he just wasn't able to compile enough after yes. and his, his period of elite wasn't. And even then his elite was, was a leader. Very good. But either way, Matt Snell was phenomenal in this game. Uh, this year, he actually, what did he, he rushed for 685 yards, uh, 187 receiving five touchdowns. Uh, not bad. Not bad. I mean, that seems pedestrian now, but that for, for that, that was actually yeah. really, really good. Uh, I read two interesting. So Snell later would refuse to be a part of anything with the Jets. Mm. Apparently, uh, Leon Hess had promised him sort of a, I guess, some kind of job after, which he never did. And so even though he got inducted into the Ring of Honor in, in 2015, he didn't show up. So the man holds a grudge as tight as he held a football. Well, and let's just say the Jets historically, right, have not really been great when it comes to honoring their past and their players that's you know there's a legacy of that as well um and that's unfortunate yeah that, that that has come up but he's probably not the only one that that sort of walked away you know dave keon when we dave think of uh, our leaves not yeah. our leaves but yeah yeah uh boozer boozer gets stuffed with the four yard loss uh great last name by the way oh isn't it yeah works for me uh tackled by don shinnick who was he was all over the place he had a great game. Uh, linebacker, he's 11th of 12 years, all is it called. Doesn't get enough play. He should uh, should be a bigger name than he is. Uh, so they, they, they're so proud because they flash a stat of each team's average yards per game. And Gowdy says, all right, you know, all the, we're going to show you some more of this stuff as we sort of like go. Feel free to pay attention. <laughs> paraphrasing, but it's <laughs> – it was like, he was so proud. Like, look at this stuff. <laughs> The producers were probably on him for the whole week prepping him to say, we're just going to unveil this thing and you need to mention it every time you can. We spent millions of dollars, hundreds of hours on this on this technology and darn it, we're going to use it. So push it. <laughs> Make the nerds happy. Why not? That's right. There you go. Because again, I'm so cool. Uh, second and 13, Namath sends his first pass to Snell. Uh, brought down by Bobby Boyd. Uh, this was also his last game. Uh, yeah. Boyd didn't have to retire, actually. He had 57. He was already at 57 interceptions. He had eight this year. First team all pro. If we, if you hold pro football reference in, in uh, high regard, and I, I think a lot of people listening do, including myself, he was the league leader with 21. 
So he actually, just sign of the times, and we're going to, I might use this phrase a lot. He quit to join the coaching staff because he got better pay. Yeah. Like, what the? Yeah, it's crazy to think of that, right? That, that, I mean, I think most people realize by now these guys weren't making a lot of money. I mean, mm-hmm. interesting well, by far. I mean, Namath, Namath was. I mean, he signed that historical deal as the rookie, but that was kind of at the peak of the mm-hmm. the, the war and the draft between the AFL and the NFL. But you're right. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that these guys were making so less money. They were even they could make more money by being a coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand at this point, you know, the guys aren't making a lot of money. They can go into business somewhere and create a professional career, which many of many of these guys would do. And some of them cut their career short for that very reason. But it's kind of astonishing to think that the way he was going to make more money was to become a coach. Yeah. It probably <laughs> cost him the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, when you look at his profile, his name comes up occasionally, but he wasn't an all-decade team. He has a handful mm-hmm. of um, all-pro. Again, his name comes up. But yeah, when you cut your career that short, even today, the voters are still, you know, they're doing better in terms of these short careers. But yeah, you cut it that short where he did is, is you're just not going to get the consideration, even though, you know, it was a pretty, pretty high level. But he only what played nine years. And yeah, it's but you got to make got to you got to. And, and it was already completely bored, <laughs> which is also interesting. Yeah. Man, these guys aged a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who, who was it last time we were watching uh that uh, crap the the packers guy who's who's so doesn't matter yeah but there was like one guy who just, just scared the hell out of you even though you know he was like 20 years older than you it didn't matter it yeah clint eastwood and unforgiven <laughs> i don't care how old you are you're kicking my ass uh all right well okay so jets will have the ball uh snell tackled for a loss two yard two for two yards uh, by Fred Miller, who was a pro bowler for the third straight year. But we're not going to hear too much of that uh, that anymore. So Jets have to give up the ball. And Curly Johnson punts, offside penalty. Uh, and I and as I'm watching that, first time I saw the ref, the guy couldn't have been more than five foot five. And I think he was like a theater major. Because like he <laughs> was like enunciating everything. Um, <laughs> like, <"Ping!" laughs> it was... Well, again, you know, it's crazy because, you know, there's all this criticism these days and have been for the last few decades, right, over officiating in the NFL and lack of consistency, lack of training. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're like, I mean, now, even though with all the issues and challenges, right, we're still, you know, way far better advanced in a lot of how these guys train and prepare, even though there are legitimate consider, you know, concerns about consistency and rule interpretation. But back here, yeah, when you watch these games, it does kind of, the, the, the refereeing looks pretty amateurish, I mean, frankly. And it wasn't really a profession mm-hmm. um, and, and in terms of recruiting and training and developing talent as officiating. Just wasn't the same. I mean, I, I think I, I'm not saying it's just you pull, they pull people off the street, but still, yeah, it's a whole level down. And you just wonder, like you said before, if this existed in a social media era today if this game was played with that the officials would just be a just be ripped like you wouldn't believe they are today but yeah, yeah it's a crazy how the game has changed in terms of that even though again there's there's still a lot of issues to be reigned there but yeah, oh, ed hockley never saw him in the weight room i'll say that yeah you never saw me in the weight room either again but <laughs> uh anyway so 
another punt and it goes to Tim Brown, not that one. Uh, so Timmy Brown uh, brings it back to the Baltimore 27. Uh, this is also Brown's last year uh, or last game, only year as as a Colt, uh, but you know had a good career. Uh, three-time Pro Bowler uh, with the Eagles, two-time leader in yards per touch, hmm. and he had a championship in 1960 with the Eagles. Did, you know, I I never even thought about this. They had Super Bowl rings. Did they like give out NFL championship rings? You think? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. They did. Okay. All right. So then he had one of those. Okay, I didn't know. I wasn't sure. Uh, so we meet the Baltimore offense again with these great graphics. So quarterback Earl Morrell. Uh, Tom Matty, running back, Jerry Hill, running back, Willie Richardson, flanker, John Mackey, tight end. Uh, yeah. Another great player who we're not going to see a lot of. Yeah. Just, it, it's just one of those games. Split end, Jimmy Orr, and the offensive line of Bob Bogle, Glenn, Glenn Ressler, Bill Curry, Dan Sullivan, and Sam Ball. All names that we will not hear <laughs> through this entire game. Uh, Gowdy says Mackey is the one to watch and presto that's the first thing that we see uh, morale to Mackey 19 yards for Baltimore to the Baltimore 46 uh, right away if you're the if you're a fan of the Colts this is going exactly the way you think it's supposed to uh, your best guy just got uh, just did something right away Mackey is going to later on go into the Hall of Fame in 1992 uh, three-time first team all pro just one of the if you if you talk about evolution of tight ends, you can't, yeah, you cannot use his name. Uh, first and ten, uh, Maddie gets the pitch, uh, rushes for rushes uh, rushes into uh, Jets territory. Jerry Hill rushes for seven. It's it's going perfect. Uh, but you know a little bit a little bit of stumbling here. Maddie's lucky to get a yard here, and then we get third and two. Uh, but Hill gets Hill gets a good block and then rushes for five and it's first down in the Jets 31. Uh, Hill drops immediately for three yard loss by Jerry Philbin. We're going to see a lot of him. Uh, AFL also this year and it was the unofficial sack leader with 14. So another name that should be getting a lot more credit in the overall yep. canon of the Jets, I think. But uh, just phenomenal game that he would have. Uh, second and 13, uh, moral incomplete to Orr, wasn't even close. And he tries the exact same thing, but this time he gets uh, complete to uh, Tom Matty. Uh, oh, sorry, Tom Mitchell. My my apologies. Tom Mitchell, who was the backup tight end, uh, who had uh, over 3,000 yards over his career. So, you know, not bad. So we're in the red zone. That did, term didn't exist then. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But they were on the move. They're on, and you, you said, I mean, if, if you, yeah. if, you couldn't script this whole game start better off uh, for the Colts, both the, the defensive stop and then moving the ball um, like they are here. This is exactly how you think it's supposed to go. Uh, but, you know, the, we have a stall. So incomplete to Richardson and then incomplete to Mitchell uh, for the first two. Uh, Mitchell got more open, but Morrell was tapped from behind. So it wasn't really his fault. Uh, Morrell escapes a sack uh, just to get back to the line of scrimmage. That's the most mobility he, he managed. And then we've got a fourth down on the new on the Jets 19. Uh, Lou Michaels shanks a 27 yard one. It's not even close. Uh, this, you know, and I said it last time, I'll say it again. There's nothing that sort of improved more than kicking. Uh, and I was watching also too every, and I probably said this last time too, so apologies if I if I'm repeating myself, but. You know, just like when I was trying to practice golf or tennis and shit like that, the same thing that they're not doing. You're not, there's no follow through. Right. For, for anything. So I don't think 
I watched one kicker get any of their legs up 90, even, even close to like 90 degrees. Like that's, I mean, and, and this is a time, right. When they're thinking really wasn't as for the most part, wasn't a specialization, right. There were guys who were, were good at it and did it. The technique was pretty crude. You know, the, the amount of training and coaching for it, right. was minimal. And, you know, you, you sense you get, there were a few, there are a few exceptions, but for the most part, you know, kickers and punters were just like, that has to be done. Somebody's going to do it. You know, somebody ends up doing it. Um, and like you mentioned, you run into players who were back up at a certain position and then they were the guy who could punter kicks so that they were doing it. And we don't really get um, sort of full-time, right, um, specialists in the kicking game. And this is the kind of result is you get a lot of, inconsistency and, and you can see a lot of flaws that are pretty apparent but nobody even though it would turn out to be very significant in a game like this mm -hmm. it's an afterthought for the, for a large part of the game really and by the fans and commentators i mean like it yeah. was like eh, yeah, well, it's kind of expected yeah um, nowadays we would just lose our heads over missed field goals or extra 27 yard variety right yeah. like, absolutely like there's no crowd gasp there's nothing yeah. no inflection from gaudi nothing yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so yeah. different. All right, so the Jets start on their own 20 because that's also a different thing back then because you didn't start at the line of war that was kicked. It was always at the 20. So Snell, sort of the same guy. They're just going right back to Snell. Uh, incomplete to Snell. He just couldn't hang on. Probably one of the only weak plays that he had in, in what, again, we consider an MVP-worthy game. Uh, first completion to uh, the tight end Lemons, but that's only for two. Uh, third and eight, uh, complete to Bill Mathis, who at this point, he was a veteran split end uh, for 13 years, uh, got got a first down. And the Namath went deep for Maynard, and Maynard was overthrown, uh, even though he got open, not by much, but I mean, it was, that, that was on Namath. Uh, Maynard did not have a catch this entire game. We, we're talking about Hall of Fame players yep. on a team. He's one of them, did not, and Maynard was either overthrown or blew it this entire game so apparently the story myth or true or not i don't know oh, okay yeah but he was injured coming mm -hmm. in the game and um they knew he was injured they kept him out because of the potential threat and as a decoy now not just you know not to say he didn't make an honest try of it and and maybe broke oh, free yeah. and had a couple of shots but apparently the it was not known uh, that he was not at a hundred percent. And, um, but you're right. Cause it on paper, when you look at the end of the game, look at the stat sheet, mm -hmm. it's kind of appalling to think that yes, the jets went one. It wasn't a, a huge offensive show by any means, but when you see him zeroed right out it, it, it and you knew he played and people saw him in the game, mm -hmm. what was going on that they couldn't get the ball to him or he couldn't get open. Well, it turns out, he, he might have been, well, he was, rumor was, a myth was he was, he was injured. Hmm. Yes, when he's got something. He was the guy, right? He was the number one receiver, I think you say, um, an all-pro yeah. football Hall of Fame, um, one of the greatest, and was really one of, was Namath's go-to guy, had but, zero presence in this game. But it shows the value of the decoy. I mean, like, remember uh, when Terrell Owens and, and that Super Bowl? Yep. Uh, they thought, okay, well, he's still going to be there as a decoy. Now, great, he had like a very, very good game, and I will go to my deathbed defending Reggie Bush. So, well, he was a bust. Like, okay, those th that Super Bowl year, Bush was a very valuable decoy because you still weren't sure what he could still yep. do. Like he he was he 
earned that. And that also, to me, proved that the Kardashian curse isn't true. Because <laughs> he, he was with Kim at that time. <laughs> and the same year that Lamar was with Chloe. Now, I can't say things worked out well for them after, especially Lamar, but... but... <laughs> At the time, <laughs> at the time, sure, it was, it was great. I, I, like, I, I was, I was team, I was team Kim. I'll, I got there no go. problem saying that. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Uh, sleep with another saint. Let's see how that works out for me. <laughs> uh, uh, who, who did? Yeah, uh, is Derek Carr single? I don't know. Uh, if he is, you be careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, second and ten, uh, he threads the needle. Uh, this was a great pass by name. Th threads it right to Sauer, George Sauer, who is going to be the other offensive star and another person possibly to consider for the MVP. Uh, although we did have a, a costly, well, a fumble, a, a fumble though. I mean, which puts him lower than Snell to me. But anyway, uh, Sauer, Sauer for six. Uh, but then incomplete. Uh, he screws a, a name widely overthrows it. Sauer was an all star this year. Had a great year, one thousand one hundred forty-one yards. Yeah, is that's good. That's damn good yeah. for that sixth, era. Yeah, sixth in player of the year voting. Uh, so Curly Johnson's got a punt. Timmy Brown gets it to the forty-one, and so uh, the Colts start on their own forty-one. And after a TV timeout, so the the producers they're they're working this bit because uh, there's Johnny Unitas and there's Johnny Unitas because going into this, you are your two biggest stars. You're doing what any good producer would do. If I was that, not that I know anything about television production, but I'd like to think that I've got a pretty good idea what the people want to see. You want to know what Unitas is doing, and that's sort of the first look at him. And then you see that 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 flat top, and then it made me think of that old 1969 <laughs> thing. And that's a little bit like well before arts, well definitely before mine, and yeah. uh, for yours too. But you know that I again, this is your quarterback against your father's quarterback or your quarterback against uh, the this dumb hippie. I don't know. Um, and just by looking at him, you, you just sort of like see that it's two totally different cultures from two totally different great quarterbacks who I don't think ever said anything bad about each other. Yeah. To my knowledge. And, you know, let's remember, you know, Johnny Unitas by the playoffs was healthy. Yeah. You know, so you, you, you run into this classic dilemma, and you still see it with teams today. Mm -hmm. you a hot guy, or do you bring the veteran back in, you know, who who you who had planned to use that season, who was part of the team? And, you know, you got to give credit to some extent in terms of how the season played out for the Colts, <laughs> this game being the exception. But they went with the hot hand, and they did not bring, you know, at that point, point you know, United's reputation as one of the best quarterbacks in the league was well-established. Mm -hmm. And you kept them on the bench. For a guy who was essentially a career backup, but had the hot season, as you mentioned in the intro, and you went with that, and we will see this game, how that played out. But it is intriguing to think that one of the two high-profile players in this game, mm -hmm. leading to it and the promotion of it, was on the bench. Yeah. The only other time I can sort of think of like where any team that maybe thought, okay, maybe we're going to run with uh, the backup based on what just happened in the last recent if you go by recency bias, would have been Frank Reich. Right, yeah. Like uh, right after he sort of uh, led the greatest comeback in NFL history, got them to the Super Bowl. No, Jim Kelly did, did fine, but still, I mean, that was the only time I remember people think, well, maybe just keep going with Reich. Um, well, it's that classic dilemma, right? It's, it's, yeah. and, 
and you're only get it if you get it right, then <laughs> then you're applauded for it. If you get it wrong, then you're second guessed, you know, forever that you made the make made the wrong call. And and uh, I suspect that uh, the Colts fans and the organization maybe had second thoughts after this game. I don't know. We shall see. Well, I'm sure they did. Uh, so first and ten, uh, Mackey drops the ball at midfield. Uh, Hill rushes for three in the middle, and Morales goes deep for Richardson, one-on-one with Johnny Sample, who bats it away. Here's another player who maybe could have got a defensive M- if they had defensive MVP yeah. for something like that, if they isolated that. Sample was great this game. Also his last game, and he was motivated. He was a former yeah. Colt. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, uh, 41 yeah, the Jets were the Jets were certainly the underrated unit, right? Mm-hmm. This game, and yeah, they they um they overperformed, if you want to call it that, or they had a grudge or whatever. They they certainly met the challenge. There's no doubt, you know, as a unit, I, I, a lot of superstars. They they had a damn good game. You know, I think maybe history, like at the time, so Gowdy would say, like it's one of the greatest upsets ever. I wonder if it's is it the greatest upset or is it the greatest uh underestimation yeah I, I think that's a really good point i mean again you, you get the mindset at the time right is everybody downplayed the afl as being a secondary rate league mm-hmm. oh you know they had poached a number of college players that didn't get in the nfl and as we mentioned before right they, they came up short in a significant way in both the first two championship games mm-hmm. <laughs> first two super bowls and so, yeah, um, yeah, that's probably a astute observation that the, the team and the league were were viewed as that way by the media who covered both <laughs> and by fans and others who were following the game at the time. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, so it goes fourth and seven. Baltimore's got a punt. Great punt in the perfect balance that uh, goes right to the Jets, Jets four. Uh, so back from TV break and there's uh, – in the crowd now, I mean, you'd see every celebrity there. This is, I guess, the only celebrity we saw, and that's Vince Lombardi. I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah. So, well, they, they mentioned him. So, uh, so yes. That I guess he was the only – I don't think there was anyone. Well, if there were other celebrities, we, they didn't – Well, maybe he wanted to keep his, his you know, his consecutive Super Bowl appearance uh, <laughs> record going by another season. I'm just going to show up. Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, so New York ball on the on the four. Uh, so they're, they're they're playing it good. Uh, so Snell rushes for four. Uh, Snell rushes again for five. Uh, third and one, and then a pass to Sauer and he fumbles. He's hit by Lenny Wiles, and then he moves into a lot good end bad. And then you think, okay, this is it. This is now you've got your first turnover, which I believe is the only Jets turnover. I could be mistaken, but I think it's the only one by the Jets uh, in this game. So Baltimore's got it first and 10 on the New York, uh, on, on the Jets 12. Okay. We got points, right? It has to be points. Yep. Uh, Hills tackled for one yard loss by Philbin. End of the first quarter, New York zero, Baltimore zero. If you're a Jets fan, you're thinking, eh, well, it's been fun while it lasted. Uh, <laughs> if you're a Colts fan, it's like, okay, th- enough of this crap. Yeah. Now, now we're getting to business. No. Uh, so- Matty rushes to uh, for, for seven and then we're on the New York six. Morrell drops back, has Mitchell open in the end zone, but uh, he's contorted when he goes to catch it. So Mitchell was open, but he was not in a great position for it. So 
he was kind of sideways. So either he wasn't ready for it, even though he was open. So the timing just wasn't good. It, it goes to catch it, bounces off him perfectly for Randy Beverly. He didn't have to do that much. Just a little bit of movement to catch it. Bang, here's the interception back. Turnover again. 31, Beverly had 31 interceptions over only five years. Which is pretty good. Five years in the NFL, and he had 31 picks. Damn. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. And just like that, points off turnovers, which they didn't put a graphic on because they didn't think of that back then, but it would be zero. Yeah, the classic zero, yeah. <laughs> yes. So New York's got it on the first. So they got they take the ball back uh, on the 20. Uh, so, yeah, zero points on two red zone attempts. I, I noticed here yeah. for Baltimore, uh, which is – bad yeah yeah you don't yeah that's not <clears throat> i want to start a game and then yeah mm -hmm. you're starting to get a little nervous wondering you know we don't seem to be dominating the game and yeah missed opportunities always come back to haunt, almost always especially in a big game like this right back to haunt you at some point when you needed those points and you just didn't have them and that's what we got here uh yep. and it's interesting too just listening to how commentary doesn't even sort of like talk about anything like that i i, I think I haven't really listened to a whole thing by Gowdy before. And maybe it's just matter of fact style. Maybe that he just, he does it more robotic. It isn't necessarily a great storyteller. If that makes sense. I mean, I, I enjoy yeah. his commentary. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there's a lot of commentators right now. I despise uh, Troy Aikman. I'm looking in your direction, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it I mean, we're, we're still relatively young in, in sort of the, the evolution, right. Mm -hmm. Of how t how football is being portrayed on, on TV. You mentioned the technology suddenly showing up for us, uh, the yeah. booth, you know, that, that kind of stuff like that. And, and maybe at the time that, that was sort of the, the way that was done plus reflected the audience at the time. I, I don't mean to be, you know, rude about it, but not really as sophisticated, not as much about the ins and outs and just kind of keep it bread and butter Mm -hmm. and keep things moving and don't kind of do this in-depth analysis of well what are we seeing here as a trend or why did this lead to that or like we just talked about wow we got we got some issues here what's the implication when you get down in the red red zone as we call it today and walk away two times and zero points mm -hmm. how does it affect the rest of the game that kind of nuance just wasn't being presented you just moved on to the next play to some degrees you know, it's a bit of both, right? Um, Howard Crystal used to talk about how you can't go too much into the stats and whatnot because then you're going to lose the casual viewer. But you also have to sort of like thread that needle between sort of like getting into the X's and O's, getting into a player perspective, right. and then getting somebody who might be just a casual viewer like, oh, okay, yeah. while while you're telling a story. And yeah. they, they do that part well because it was presented easily. Unitas, even though he wasn't there, versus name, yeah. old versus new, uh, philosophy versus philosophy. Uh, although I think they they could have done more with the whole. I, I think Gaudi could have, or the producers, however he was told to. I think they could have told more about Weeb, personally. Yeah, yeah. But whatever. Uh, so Jets have the ball, uh, and it's the Matt Snell show. Uh, rushes for a yard, then for seven, and then for six to get a first down. Fourth straight carry of and then gets another first down and then he gets he gets a break and then you see him on an oxygen or whatever the hell it was uh <laughs> like their old school oxygen 
<laughs> I, I don't. It's definitely. They went to the nearest. Way. They went to the nearest um, retirement home and asked for a couple extra tanks with masks or came, something. Came. It, it might not have even been plugged in. I wasn't even sure. <laughs> but uh, it, it's a good drive. Uh, the Jets have it on their own forty-six, but incomplete to Sauer, and it was almost picked off by uh, Shinnick, who was again had a great game. Yeah. Uh, Namath ex- escapes a blitz, uh, six-yard pass to Mathis. Who was pushed out by Bubba Smith, Officer Hightower? I there you go. He was here. There you go. You were waiting to drop that reference in. I knew. I yes, knew. I was. <laughs> yes, I was. I. Bubba How Smith. How many celebrities can you have in one Super Bowl? Well, we're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> you got a hint it's a Bubba Smith. When I was a kid, I thought yeah. Bubba Smith was just as good a player as Dick. Yeah. Thomas. I didn't know. Yeah. In college, I guess that was kind of true, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, he made a name for himself. They were always in the same shows together and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, <laughs> uh, all right, where did I leave off? I got so excited talking about Bubba Smith. Well, we got Nem- we got Nemeth on our roll here. He's there sitting we passes. We're starting to get the ball. We're seeing we're seeing Joe at at kind of his his mm-hmm. his arm and his performance and um get you know working him down the field, mixing up and you know we got we had all those runs right. Mm-hmm. Set up the run, as we say today. Set the run, run the ball to set the pass, and and here we're seeing it. Yeah. Uh, so Sauer in a comeback gets fourteen. We got first down, and now we're in Baltimore territory. In Baltimore thirty-four. Another pass to Sauer uh, was gets eleven yards. He sneaks past Lyles again. Lyles was either really good or really, or just got beat. Uh, right. And I, I shouldn't say that he had he had a, he, he just got beat. You know, he he wasn't bad in any play. Just sometimes he got beat. Wiles, I think, overall had a really good game. Uh, Boozer rushes for rushes for two. We're at the 23. Another pass to Snell, who gets to the nine. So we got first and goal. Uh, Snell up the gut for four. Uh, second and goal. Snell rushes to the left. Touchdown! Uh, the only touchdown of the game. And yeah, just for giving that secret away early. <laughs> yeah, wow. You came here to watch touchdowns. Wrong Super Bowl. Yeah, well, also, if, if, if you didn't, I don't think I'm really giving a spoiler alert as to who sort of like won this. So, yeah. uh, when I and I thought I was noticing too, Snell rushed to the left probably 80% of the time. And then who's on the left? Hill and Talamini, Winston Hill yeah. and Bob Talamini. That's no accident. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what he was doing. Uh, Extra points, good. We've got New York seven, Baltimore zero. Everyone in Baltimore is going, what the hell? Yeah, uh, probably wondering what did we get ourselves into here, and and how could this, you know, how could this be happening? How could this be happening? Where we we're, we're clearly the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, and on yeah, paper, that's true. But it hasn't. Games aren't won out. And um, as you mentioned before, yeah, I mean, now when you start thinking about those missed opportunities in the red zone, because you haven't really been able to do much when and when you did you couldn't you couldn't cash in mm-hmm. yeah uh so kickoff taken by uh Preston Pearson this is an interesting name yeah uh gets to the 28 I didn't know much about him but 14 year career 9545 all-purpose yards and he won a Super Bowl with who, who did he win it with well, with your Steelers team. yeah Steelers in Pittsburgh uh, yeah, Steel, uh, Steelers and Pittsburgh, nice work. Steelers and Dallas. Yeah, I I couldn't find. I was trying to see if he's the only person to do that, and I couldn't figure out if that's true or not. Do you know? 
I don't know, but if there is a list, it's a, not a very long one. And, and um, you know, he accomplished that relatively early today, yeah. about the history of the Super Bowl, to be able to, to, to play in this many games with successful teams and ultimately, yeah, win, win. So, yeah, I had a very interesting, you know, sometimes apparently this is not factually correct, but at least from a high profile or people realize he was one of the first sort of running backs, right. That were, there was a major receiving threat. And, you know, I'm not saying we didn't see running backs of air who could catch the ball because there were others, but he was the first one in his third down, specialty kind of role where you come in as a running back, but you have this, you're essentially a dual threat. And then turned out to be maybe even more so a threat as a receiver or the running back position than a running threat. Um, and he became what we call today, one of these sort of third down specialists that you could almost have like a hybrid wide receiver out um, running patterns. And he would have that reputation and, and that's, that's the role he would play throughout much of his career. He was never, sort of a premium RB1, right, in the rushing. But first player to appear in three Super Bowls. Yep. Coaches coached uh, – coach, here is his coaches, Don Chula, later on Chuck Noll, Tom Landry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep, that's him. He may not be a Hall of Famer, but Hall of Famers knew to have him around. Yep, yep, certainly uh, had quite a career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morrell throws deep and out of out of bounds on his first thing. Uh, Matty catches uh, for thirty yards after slipping a tackle by Bill Baird. So we we got a we got a really good drive here, going, or at least we think we do by the Colts. Uh, and we're on the the Jets forty two. Hill rushes for four. Matty rushes for no gain. Uh, Mackey then drops another. This was not a good day for yeah. some future Hall of Famers. He wasn't tight coverage, but you know, still. Here's something I found interesting. So they go for a field goal attempt at 47 yards based on a guy who doesn't seem to make much of anything. <laughs> I guess you could do that when you, okay, well, they're starting on the opponent's 20 anyway. Yeah, the strategy's a little bit, you know, different than we normally would think. But you're right. I mean, and that's why that 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 misreception by Matthew the play before was so critical. Third and six, not be able to... I don't know if this error, whether they would have went for it on fourth and one, given, given the fact that, as we said, field goals were not necessarily not close to being automatic, but not even by catching that, you force them to have to, to well, try. This and, and the strategy yeah, being it doesn't hurt you as much, but you missed a field goal and you yeah. lose possession of the ball at a time when you really, you know, haven't been able to be in a position right. The other team's already taken a lead. You haven't done much in terms of getting yourself in a position to score, having missed a field goal and having a turnover before mm -hmm. another missed opportunity right up, right when you're trying to do something to counter the but fact I, that the Jets are taking the lead. I, I guess though, because, you know, you know that you're not, because it would be different now. Yeah. Because you miss, okay, they're starting at their own 20 as opposed to where you can yeah. kicked off from. That's true. So I think that was sort of like played a lot into it. Uh, I noticed though he had the length, but I mean his accuracy was non-existent with Lou Michael. So, like we're not seeing them just sort of like fall like super short. They 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 just weren't anywhere close because he just like you were saying they probably didn't practice that much. You know it was it's yeah. such an important part of the game and yet they never thought about it. You know it, it's fascinating how that works and then sometimes you forget about important parts of the game look at baseball yes. I mean, like the stolen bases 
a dying art. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, so the Jets start on their own 20. Uh, Boozer, which is only for one yard. And then a graphic comes up. Namath's lifetime f- it, completion percentage is, oh, it's 50%. Oh my God, that's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's crazy, right? I mean, yeah. you wouldn't last a game in the NFL as a quarterback mm. doing that, let alone seasons of it or careers of it. But, um, and that's why we talk time and time again, right? When you do this comparison of quarterbacks or right. Across the eras, it's it's it, it's not the same game. It it it's not, not nearly as advanced. It was, the, you know, what we call today the West Coast offense was a decade away from really rolling out in full. So it was a high risk, high reward kind of passing game. You know, you had guys who had the arm who could put the ball in play, and he was clearly one of those quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. But you know, as they say, when you throw the ball more things can go wrong they can go right and in this case you had an error where incompletions were high and so were interceptions yeah and, um it was it was sort of i wouldn't say expected but it was the nature it was the nature of the passing game and, and that had not evolved to what we would see you know a decade and then of course in, in decades since mm-hmm. and it, it, it you look at it now and it's kind of stark right starking to kind of see that but that was the passing game, uh, and he was considered one of the best quarterbacks at the time. And, and and yet you see those numbers, and you're kind of shaking your head, like how could that be? That's that's how the game was played. Yeah, and roughing the passer was a very rarely called to, or yeah. targeting, or a yeah. bunch of other things that don't. Oh yeah, I mean it was a free for all season on quarterbacks and on receivers. Oh yeah. Watch our last show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, yeah. I mean, guys were just getting pounded, clothesline, pushed out of bounds, kicked on the ground, you know, piled on, um, interfered with all the way down the field. Receivers were, heaven forbid, if somebody got through the offensive line and got the quarterback, you know, they better get rid of that ball or get out of the way or something because they were they were going to get hammered. Mm-hmm. Um, and that yeah, that also had a huge impact on how the passing game was I guess limited or or just could not have the kind of impact or maybe the ease that we see of it today mm-hmm. well uh sour uh on second to nine sour gets uh passes defender Lyles uh who and then so we got a great yard off uh yards after catch uh 35 yard completion so we're now back in Baltimore territory uh Snell rushes for nine and then rushes again up the middle for three so we got first and ten on the Baltimore 35 incomplete to Maynard uh I didn't write down whether whose fault that was uh second and ten incomplete to Bake Turner I think that might have been the only throw he got uh that was Namath's fault though and then we have our first uh, sack uh for that so uh Dennis Gobatz, uh, loss of two. So we've got a field goal attempt by Jim Turner. From the far side line and he fails to. His kick is up. <laughs> and it we have ourselves a reoccurring theme here. We do. We do. He's going to get better. He's going to get better. But yes, New York 7, Baltimore 0. Baltimore's got it on their own 20. Uh, Morrill passes to Richardson on the sideline for six yards. Uh, then Matty explodes untouched yeah. in the interior. Uh, which I think that's their biggest play of the game. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think that previous pass pay uh, you mentioned earlier, Mammoth, 
the salary for 35. I think it was that was the second longest play and the longest reception. So. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. A lot of short stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. So Matt Maddie just gets untouched. Uh, it wasn't until he was tackled by Bill Baird. Uh, we pretty much saved that. And we've got our third trip to the red zone. So surely they're going to do something. Yep. Here we go. We're getting the. We're getting the. We're getting there. Getting on, getting, on, getting back on the track. <laughs> and then Gowdy says something that was I found interesting. Well, Maddie is now the leading ground gainer. Huh? You can't say rusher. Like uh, interesting. He, he said ground gainer a lot. He never said rusher. Did. Huh. They change this. They call it that. Back? I don't know. That's interesting. I've heard both terms, but I've never, never thought to think of you know that the the nomenclature changed at some point with the run game. Interesting. Yeah, someone someone let us know because like that threw me off. Like, can't you just say rusher like ground game? Like, yeah. All right, but maybe whatever doesn't matter. He'll 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 rush for only one yard, uh, and then here we go again. Uh, inter uh, the next pass intercepted on the New York second by Johnny Sample. Uh, second pick by the Jets overall. Uh, both uh, both in the red zone, and then he just it wasn't anything. He just he outplayed Richardson. He just cut in front of him. Yeah, he played it perfect. I not necessarily sure that that's uh, Morale's fault, but. Or just sample was just that good that day. Yeah, yeah. The New York's got the ball their own too. Uh, they're smart. They're playing safe. Uh, next two ball. Next for Snell rushes for two. Rushes for three, and it's on the seven yard line. Third, and he can't get any get any further. So they got to punch it away. Uh, Baltimore's got the ball. Uh, so great field position. I guess their best uh, on the Jets forty two. Surely something's going to happen. We only got yep. 43 seconds left. So it's also a different sort of mindset. They're not, uh, remember like uh, there was, there was a game, I think a year ago. So Patrick Mahomes got like 22 seconds and 80 yards to go. Yeah. And then you all, in your head, you're thinking it's 50, 50, even though it's not, but, and he got it. Well, that did not happen here. Uh, Hill gets a pass, it goes nowhere. Uh, second and ten, Morale gives it to Maddie, who tosses it. Oh, here we go, tosses it back to Morale. So, I guess it's not a flea flicker, I don't know what you call this. And then Gowdy says, Jimmy Orr is wide open. That's not where he went, he did not go to Jimmy Orr, and we never saw the footage of that. I had to find it on something else to find the footage of Jimmy Orr going, ah, yeah, yeah. So, because it wasn't in, the, in that full broadcast, it was in another clip from NFL Films. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and you know, I don't know whether you call it the most controversial play in a game, but if if you're if you're a Colts fan, maybe we call it the most frustrating. Frustrating, yeah. Because here you are, at the very least, maybe you know you're running out of time. Um, maybe you've got a chance to get some points on the board. Maybe a little momentum going in. We talk about that. Huge momentum because it would be 7 yeah. 7. And then you're saying, okay. Or even just a field goal would at least get, well, we've got some points finally and we kind of stem that. And yeah, but that happened. Yeah. So he threw to uh, threw Jerry Hill and it was he was cut out in front by uh, Hudson. Uh, he had 14 in picks over his career, nothing bigger than this. Uh, and it's again another thing where I obviously Morrell didn't see him. I, I was trying to find an interview about that. I couldn't find anything. 
Were you, did you like see anything on that or no no i've i've seen kind of that same clip that you saw okay you know kind of waving i'm open and you know and it's always sort of been one of, again if you're if you're a colts fan that's something you know from this game that kind of stood out as at a critical play or i don't mean controversial but but opportunity loss and frustration right. is all right wrapped in that one clip uh, of mm -hmm. from well, their perspective of, the, of how the game went which was not so good yeah well, especially because like Gowdy was pretty much he was ready to just call this touchdown. Yeah, he was ready for it, and bang, it it wasn't there. So, <sighs> uh, so you go. In, I I can't even imagine the frustration that the Colts are going in, uh, down seven, knowing that they were a hair's breadth away from being tied against a team that they're probably thinking like, what is happening? Yeah, what the hell is happening? They, I, I truly believe they, they went in there thinking they were entitled. I really do. Yeah, it must have been quite a, yeah, quite a, a shock, frustration. Um, the red zone opportunity, again, we call red zone today, but chances to get points. Keep, over three, though. Over yeah, three yeah. in the red zone. Yeah, it didn't didn't work out. Um, you know, the, the Jets weren't lighting it on fire either, but True. underdog, they're in the lead. Their defense is is holding tight. They're making some key plays. Um, yeah, and, and this you know this, this the script is totally flipped. And I'm sure the Jets are like we're in a great spot here. We're outplaying them, and yet in the, other, in the other locker room, the coaches and the players and the Colts must be completely bewildered. Just what is going on? Yeah. To yourself in this position. Well, Not close game and, and many missed opportunities we've talked about absolutely uh well the halftime show that we didn't see so here, <laughs> here you go kids uh so that's got to be classic i don't know i don't remember what it is but well, no go, well, I, it wasn't on tv <laughs> or it wasn't on the thing that i saw but it, it's so funny like nowadays uh all, okay, I'll, i'm gonna segue out of here i might have said this on the last one but i'll say it again um uh, uh the halftime show was such a big deal, but it wasn't always. It was yeah. nothing. It was usually some garbage marching band, and like now, it's 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 so big. Like my my wife during the last Super Bowl, she said, "All right, just let me know when Rihanna's on," and then that's all she cared about. <laughs> that's all she cared about. Yes, when he agrees. Uh, so the 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 marching band was the Florida A and M marching band. Now I'm just gonna say this out here, and I don't care who I find. Uh, even if you're one of those uh, drum lines from like a like an HBC, you're still nerds. Uh, like that. That's <laughs> I, I'm sorry. You, there's no way you can make marching bands cool. It's not possible. You all suck, and <laughs> you're still virgins. Even if you only slept with each other, I'm just going to put that out there. Whoever I'm offending, I'm offending. Again, at least, yes, at least this cool. example. At least in this case, they got to play at the halftime of the Super Bowl. Could you be imagine somebody who's like, I don't know, maybe by now, right? We're talking. They'd be a senior, so in their seventies, maybe, or or their late sixties, and they're like, "Come here, kids. Let me tell you about the time that I was the halftime performer on the Super Bowl." Keith Richards is doing that. He's in his seventies. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh God. You'd be like, what? Really? Yeah, it was. Me and 50 other people. <laughs> what did you do? I played the tuba. Oh. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, thanks, Grandpa. Yeah. Uh, then we get, speaking of the grandpas, 
And then, was, and then uh, whoever's interviewing it says, now we've got America's number one comedian. I was like, who is this going to be? Bob Hope. Oh, yeah. yeah. I hate Bob Hope. I hated him then. Uh, he's not funny. He wasn't funny here. And he just plugged one of his shitty specials. Yeah, well, that's why he was there. Yeah, well, at least, at least that's I mean, at least that's consistent with how halftime entertainment is done today. Is it, you got to promote the next thing? Yeah. Right, so somebody's gonna have to explain to me in great detail why Bob Hope was a celebrity because this guy was never funny. But whatever. Anyway, of course, in Canada we had Wayne and Schuster. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's a joke that Forley Paul and I. That's right. We know that. We get the reference. Oh, God. All right. Well, uh, second half. So surely it's got to go better. Well, Baltimore's got the ball. Uh, so we kick off. Uh, Matty gets the ball right away. Rushes for eight before he fumbles right away into uh, Ralph Baker. And it was the easiest fumble recovery had to be of his life to just fall right into him. We've got our fourth turnover. New York's got the ball in the 33. And again, I... Yeah, it's just, just you know, yeah. you want a clean slate at the beginning of the second half. Yeah. You're coming out of the locker room. You're probably thinking, well, we're at least we're only down by seven. Right. right? We get the ball. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this before in other Super Bowls that would come years later, or other great games where some teams start slow and it's a close game and then they dominate the second half and the team that you think, um, you know, is dominant or won't come back, comes back and, you know, does that so the script is there of these kind of games but mm -hmm. bingo look what happens again yeah uh so boozer rushes for eight uh snow rushes for four so we got another first down 21st uh 21st 21 yard line uh gowdy says well unitas is starting to throw you know perfect because you're noticing that you've got to get people interested in this uh boozer rushes for two second and eight passes snell for five taken out by mike curtis uh curtis had another good game another person who is a fringe hall of fame person we could talk about it another time uh third and two snell rushes for three first down i should have counted how many first down snell was responsible for again this guy was yeah. the super bowl mvp uh the person uh nameth won a car i hope he gave it to snell he probably didn't. <laughs> he probably just invited him to his bar and got him laid that night. Probably. Yeah. Not that Snell needed any help, I'm sure. <laughs> but, my God. I was trying to explain just like what a rock star this guy was. So I, I showed uh, Namath uh, the interview with Susie Kobler. To, to the, guy, yeah. the guy at the bar. Right? Just say, yeah. Like, oh, okay. It wasn't his, his best thing, but it's like, I don't care how the Jets are. It's like, I want to kiss you. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's, yeah, that's um, a lifestyle, you know, that's a lifetime of uh, persona all wrapped up on one piece, but you're 32, 30 years too old to be doing that kind of crap. And then it, yeah, it makes you look like an old creepy guy all of a sudden when you were the cool dude for decades. Now the shine is kind of off a little bit because you come across looking like, yeah, a weird old guy. Yeah. I, I think that that's how it is for a lot of those guys. Uh, like, okay, yeah. I'm segueing out of here, but uh, Roberto Alomar, right, comes to mind. 
Yeah. Like how he got uh, essentially sacked from uh, his duties uh, working probably a, like a gift job for the baseball yeah. hall thing that he, I don't even know what his role was. Probably brand ambassador doing nothing. Yeah. And when did you move out of Toronto or that or Ontario? Uh, 2000. So I'm quite familiar with, and I watched him play quite okay. familiar with him, his background. All right. And, so and, the, then you probably yeah, were aware that where, where he peaked and then where, you know, right, the right. ride up and then the ride down was pretty fast and pretty brutal. Yes. Right. So, his own making, yeah. Roberto Alomar was one of those guys lucky that there was probably not social media because, like, I remember in my early 20s, like, hearing Alomar stories. Yeah. That were all sort of, I guess, word of mouth because there wasn't an internet back then. Yeah. So here's a guy who looked as good as he did, made as much as he did, had, may not have good English, but it didn't matter. He had charisma up the wazoo. Yeah. And then now you're in your early 50s or whatever. It's like, don't you know who I am? Yeah. And yep. then he's doing that to, I guess I, I, I don't, I don't, well, we, I don't know who it was. He did that to, but probably some 20 something. It's like, Hey, I'm Roberto Alomar. And it's like yeah. doing the same crap. It's like, cause he could just have to stand there. And it's, it's, it's a sad look. And I think he knows yeah. that it's a sad look based on interviews that he did, but Whatever. Okay. Well, I, I didn't want to go there. Well, I did want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> but you did. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, okay. So what do we got here? Uh, so first and 10 on the Baltimore 11. Uh, Boozer rushes left, but can't cut. Lyles gets him out of bounds. So again, Lyles was really good and really just beaten. Like, I hate the word hall of very good, but he had a hall of very good game. Uh, second and 15, Namath is, uh, Namath is sacked for, by nine-yard loss by Bubba Smith. Hightower. There uh, you go. Yep. Third and 24, incomplete to Lamons. Almost got picked up by Logan. Logan. Uh, if he would have got it, because Logan dropped it, he would have went all the way back. So here we have another thing where yep. just this Yeah. It was still a seven-point game, right? Yep. I mean, it wasn't a blowout. It was still... Yeah, key play like that, and it would have shifted the whole tone and momentum, Everything. momentum of the game, and and would have been a you know back to an even match, so to speak. But mm -hmm. wasn't to be. Everything. So what could have been seven seven turns out to be ten nothing because Jim Turner makes a field goal, the first one made of the Whoa. day. <laughs> uh, so ten nothing Jets. Uh, Baltimore starts off on the kickoff on their own twenty six. Uh, Morale throws deep, overthrows Mackey. Okay, so here's here's the question we face right now. Sure. Why is he still in the game? You come out of halftime. Not granted, not all the bad plays you pointed out and the interceptions were totally on his plane, but the quarterback right. takes a lot of that anyways. He's clearly not playing at a level, whatever's not clicking, whatever's not working. Um, you know, unfairly, fairly, you know, the quarterback gets that blame for that. You're at, you're in, you have an opportunity, you've got a healthy veteran quarterback in that locker room presumably ready to play mm -hmm. and you've been outplayed you're shocked and you don't make the move they're That's still underestimating the jets yeah they're still doing it even though yeah. they've got to be shocked at halftime yes maybe they're just narrowing focusing on if we had just made a few more opportunities we would be a tie or we would be the lead and maybe they're holding their hat on that but the quarterback play wasn't very stellar mm -hmm. 
it's amazing to think you've got one of a guy whose reputation was already in place as one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history on the bench who's healthy. And if you want to shake things up to say, let's guess, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's time to move on, but they stuck with him through the playoffs, stuck with him through the season. He was their guy. But, you know, nowadays you would think maybe, you know, there wouldn't be any hesitation in pulling the hook. And yet they didn't. They, they put him back in the game. And uh, it turned out, as you're going to see, they maybe should have made the move right at halftime. Well, yeah, after, after the series, because the series goes yeah. home. Uh, yeah. Hill, Hill goes for no gain on a dump off. Larry Grantham, another name we should, is just another yeah. Yeah. very, very good player. He's just crushed. Uh, the pocket collapses. Merle tries to rush, and he's tackled uh, for a two-yard loss uh, by Carl McAdam. Uh, Colts are forced to punt, and New York's got the ball again on their own 31. Uh, before the play starts, Gowdy says, Unitas has his helmet on. So to that point, yeah, uh, that's where Shula says, okay, I've seen enough. Yeah. Uh, this is over. I can't keep, I, I can't keep going to this. And you got to really, you know, and he's probably in his mindset thinking, you know, my defense needs to make a stand, right? We need to keep this score game essentially, or or close to it. And um, yeah, get get my guy ready because my defense, my hope is my defense is going to hold here, and um, we can switch the momentum on the next drive. But uh, Baltimore had a decent defense this game, and yeah. they are the top defense going into this, yep. so it, it's not yep. an unreasonable assumption. Yep. Uh, but on the series, uh, it's not going great right away. Uh, there, Sauer gets to midfield uh, in the second play, and on on their own forty-seven, they go deep for Maynard again. It's it's um, incomplete. Uh, Logan had great coverage, so not really Maynard's fault there. Uh, draw to Boozer to get into Colts territory, and um, third and six on the Baltimore forty-nine. Uh, Quick pass to Lamons for 11. So we're on the Baltimore 38. Maynard drops another on the next play. So. Yeah, something's not, yeah, something's not right there. That's not what you, for two guys who played together and, 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 um, you know, he was Namus go to guy. Um, something. Yeah. Not as, you know, like you said, there was some, he wasn't always open. There were some contested plays, but still something's not, it's not clicking. But right here's what I had here too. Uh, Boyd roughs him down, or like just geez, knocks him down. That would have been a penalty today. Oh yeah, yeah. like because uh, he pretty he did it after the play, and you can see that Bobby Boyd's saying, "I'm colossally pissed. I'm trying to generate something. This is not how this should be. Right. Why are you not as angry as I am?" Yeah, and that should have that won't. Should have been, yeah. would have been a penalty today. Sure. Yep. And then Gowdy just says, ah, just frustration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. Uh, pass the snow for 14 yards at the Baltimore 24. Mathis rushes for one, second nine deep for Maynard, who does catch it, but way out of, way out past the end zone. So, well, he caught yeah. something. It's good. Uh, third and nine. Uh, but we know that. Namath is hurt. Uh, his, he hurt his thumb, so he's out for this play, and it's Babe Perilli. And just a quick slant to Sauer that fails, and the field goal unit comes on, and Turner makes it, 31 yards. Uh, New York 13, Baltimore 0. So now we're wondering, what the hell is going to happen? Is Namath out, and now Unitas yeah. is coming in? 
So we don't know about Namath coming back, but back from break, we have Namath on the old school phone calling upstairs. Or he's arranging something for later. <laughs> Both are equally possible. Yes. <laughs> uh, Johnson's kicked off and it hits the weirdly positioned crossbar that we talked about before. Yeah, the crossbar is like right in the yeah. middle. So that means it's an automatic uh, <laughs> touchback. I can't believe yep. they used that. I know, I it's crazy. Believe, I can't believe they still do that in the CFL. Like, I don't know how, like, someone hasn't sort of, like, had a massive head contusion. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they have. <laughs> I, I don't know. And the ball, and the biggest announce, biggest pop from the crowd is now happened. Yep. Unitas is in the game. We got a near standing ovation. And why not? I mean, like, I, I'm, let's, let's try and put this in modern terms. Who's a, Who's a popular quarterback? A popular quarterback. So not Rogers Aaron, sit down. Uh, <laughs> who's in the late part of his career? It could be in the, I'm trying to think. Vinny, uh, no, not Ryan, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I love you, Vin. You're going to be a guest on this. We love you. But uh, God damn. Or anybody for this matter. Yeah, you'd be thinking of, you know, this, in this kind of scenario, yeah. Or, or really Even his other position. Well-respected, you know, coming in and, and going to be the savior here. I can't think of one. Like, who would be in that, pos who would be in that position? I, I, I really can't. Yeah. Like, all, all the veteran quarterbacks right now who are still left are – there's a lot of stink on them right now. Yeah, yeah, no, I – but yeah, clearly at the time, yeah, that that and you're you're down by thirteen, but you. Oh, you, okay, I, I got it. I got it. End of fourth yeah. quarter soon. Uh, like you an so, idea? Uh, well, not current, but I mean, just a few years ago, Peyton Manning, Broncos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's. You know, like, like probably uh, you know at the tail end of his career, injured, but yeah, being able to lead a team and get through into the Super Bowl, yeah, that's that's probably who had that pedigree. It was like okay, yeah. well. You've done it before. You can save us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's a, a the according to Gallagher, we don't see it. It's a near standing ovation. I'll believe it. Uh, Matty rushes for five. Uh, United completes to Matty for nothing, unfortunately. So it's a uh, still second down and a wobbly pass to Orr, incomplete. So he's maybe a little bit of rust. A little bit of rust. Uh, so it's three and done. Thirty eight yard punt, and we learned Namath has just got a sprained right thumb, so he's he's good to go. Uh, New York's got the starts with the ball in 37. Snell again. I mean, love this guy. Uh, three yards, but then incomplete to Sauer, a little overthrown, but he gets to Sauer in the next pass uh, to midfield. And then he goes long for Sauer. He had the inside track on Lyles. Uh, Lyles, I think he probably went back blaming himself more than probably anyone else, even though he had a good game. I, I really believe that, but we get got sometimes, and it was a 39-yard pass, and we have first and goal at the 10. This is not good. This is not good. At what point do the Colts fans think this is a, like? I don't, no. Yeah. Like I, I don't know where that sort of kicks through, and I imagine if you're a fan, believing what we read, believing what we understood. You're keeping you're, you keep watching because okay, well, okay, United is going to come back. It, it doesn't feel real, I would think, if I was a fan in 1969 January. Yeah, I mean, you're and you're on the verge to some extent of a, of a, of a blowout, although it's not a 
point spread, but it, you, you're hanging in there. But at this point, almost to the fourth quarter, it's almost shifted to a, a dominant, you know, um, a dominant game on behalf of the Jets. I mean, we've said several times, right, that the, that the opportunities were there for the Colts. They just didn't take advantage of them. But at some point, you're running out of time and momentum, and you're not the team who's controlling the game. And at this point, you know, we're almost, I said, almost to the beginning of the fourth quarter. And in some respects, although it's close, um, one could say that that, that you're being dominated by a, a team that went in as a 19-and-a-half point underdog. Yeah, and you're missing your opportunities. Yeah, left again, left and right, yeah. And it is now the fourth quarter because it's second and uh, goal on the six after a Snell rush. Start of the fourth quarter, ball, uh, New York 13, Baltimore zero. Well, next play is a rush that saw Baltimore's uh, Mike Curtis go offside. So we have second goal on the three. Dang, oh, God, this is going to be over. But, you know, they managed to hold it. Snell no gain. Mathis for only oh, one. And here's something you could never see today. A nine-yard field goal. Sure yeah. From the two-yard line, I'm four to You know, with this exact score and the way this game has been played up, if you played this game today and you're the coach of this of the team, you're going for it. Because this is the knife in the this is the knife in the back, right? This is the you're you're gonna put this in at fourth and two. And score a touchdown and nowadays, yeah, but that's only reason, quarter. right? Yeah, I mean, you could mm-hmm. end the game, you know, short of a remarkable comeback, which in which the Colts mm-hmm. had shown any ability to to string anything together, even with the change in back. Um, well, you, know what you, know, you know what it's like though? It's like what Dave Whitlock said, uh, Longhorn Dave. He said, like, you know, people going for it on fourth down, it's always been there, just no one's been doing it, yeah, yeah. You know, and you can still, yeah, we can't, we can't really, we can't sit back here and Monday morning quarterback just because at the time, yeah, that's how they played the game. It's just that when you look at it today and you realize the same scenario that played out and you're that much of an underdog, you know, yeah, this is where you could really finish it off a fourth and two. And, you know, it's a short field goal, but we already talked about how field goals are sort of, you know, secondary and not thought as being critical. It almost make you think more so. But, no, yeah. Not not, not only that. The time said kick it. So Not only that, too, because like you saw the angle from that, right? So, guy was oh, yeah. even yeah. saying, like, he, the kicker is probably thinking that it's, you'd rather take it from, like, six, seven yards back because yeah. it's this – yeah. sharp angle trying to do that so like as weird as it is to say this nine yard field goal attempt or make isn't yeah. that automatic yeah but different game yeah. uh yeah. well so the kickoff pearson fumbles in the end zone but he gets it right to the 33 so great job i mean he only touched the ball twice and he was magnificent both times uh I got to read more about him. I'm so happy this guy is the first person. Why not him? Why not yeah, him as the first three-time Super Bowl appearance? Yes, Winnie Andrews. Okay. <laughs> uh, Baltimore's got the ball in their own 31. United's completes to Mackey for five. Uh, Matty rushes for seven, so we got a first down. Uh, first down on the Baltimore 39. Complete to Richardson for five. Uh, Matty rushes for 19. So we're in the – they're still yeah. – they're doing what they can. 
Yeah, so, they're on a roll. We're starting to see them move down the field, right? Mm-hmm. Probably one of the better sequences of plays in a series they've had so far. Closest uh, thing to the two-minute offense we've seen. Yep. They're working faster. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we're on the New York, uh, the Jets 37. Hill rushes for 12. Another first down. Uh, tw- so the Jets 25. There's still time. There is still time. Uh, but incomplete to Richardson, and Only Unitas is going for right, Orr in the end zone, the and Randy Beverly uh, gets the pick. Uh, it's the it second one. Intercepted. And Randy Beverly downs it. There we go again. The Jets got the ball in their own 20, the and the Jets are doing Beverly's what they should do. Uh, there's only about six minutes. I didn't realize how there's only like six minutes left at this point. So they're eating the clock. So there's not really interesting football here. Uh, Boozer, Snell, then Boozer still manages to get another first down uh, on the Jets 31. Snell gets another first down on another rush and then a holding penalty on the Baltimore 44. Uh, they get stalled at the 42 and then they get, or 44, sorry, and missed field goal by Turner. They don't care. Because then Baltimore is still starting on their own 20. So this is where the feed that I was telling you about before we went live kind of went screwed up on the NFL. So uh, you can watch all of this, like the if you want to watch the full game afterwards, you can on YouTube on NFL. But for whatever reason, there's like a whole series of plays on this drive that aren't there. So Baltimore's got the ball. Uh, sorry, this this is where they have six thirty six minutes and thirty four seconds left yeah. to go. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, how the hell do they get to the Jets twenty? <laughs> Well, so here's what we basically missed. So I'm yeah. just winding here in my notes, but Unitas converted a fourth and 10 to Orr and then a third and 10 to Mackey and then a 20 yard, yeah. 21 yard pass to Richardson. So he was, he was uh, doing magic. Yeah. This is when we see, you know, um, Johnny Unitas again, I, you know, often seen as the master, you know, the master of the, the first quarterback really known for the, the two-minute warning drives, um, comebacks. This is this is where you're. Uh, we can't see it, but we're reading it. That in fact, this is where you're seeing Johnny Nitus sort of um, playing like he did in his prime. This is what right. he can do, and it's kind of interesting when you go down here. You, you know, you see incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. And then you see some completions. You see some third down. You see some fourth down. You know, moving the ball down. A couple of rush, short rush games in there. But this, yeah, this is this is Johnny in his prime. You're um, getting his team, in this case, trying to get back to the game late, but making a run at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I wish I would have saw that. Like that would have that. Yeah. Most exciting drive, really, by the Colts. Yeah. Really, maybe the whole game, and then it's not there. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, so, anyways, we've got uh, where the footage at least starts up again. So United completes a, to Orr for 11, but then adds two more yards with the penalty on the... A super late hit by Al Atkinson. It wasn't even... Beautiful. Considering they're not calling hardly anything. Yeah. It's like, holy crap. Like, what are you doing this now? I mean, like, you're near... You're at the point of winning. Like, this was... Could have been the dumbest thing. He could have had... A bonehead label for the rest of his life. Yeah. If things sort of went south the other way, it was idiotic. Uh, they already had first down, but he went now we have first and goal in the two. So surely they're going to do something. Uh, Maddie rushes for nothing, but now you have offside bringing it to the one. Uh, but it took a while. Uh, United's tried to do the 
what we saw Bart Starr successfully do in the ice right. but they couldn't do it. Uh, Maddie then couldn't make it. Hill does in the third attempt, but we've only got three thirty-two left. So the Jets are up 17-7. Uh, onside kick works. Yep. Uh, that, another thing that probably not happened today. Uh, Baltimore recovers, uh, Tom Mitchell. So you, they got the ball, the Jets 44. This isn't over. This is not over. This is uh, really exciting. I think if you're watching this, you, you, you can believe. You can believe that Johnny Unitas can pull this off. Because mm-hmm. you've seen it before. You've seen it before against teams you thought were better than this. Yeah, and you know they're they're already on the Jets side of the field, mm-hmm. the short field. They've got time, and yeah, he he can run the two minute and the team um, two minute drill. So, yeah, you're thinking, oh wait a minute, maybe we're gonna see a historical comeback yet from Johnny U. Right. Well, it starts off promising. Uh, Six yard pass to Richardson gets out of bounds right away. Don't lose any time on the clock. 14-yard uh, to Orr, uh, so you get to the 24. Uh, another five yards to Richardson, but then just the Jets secondary just locked in. Uh, incomplete to Richardson, tried to thread it, but then Sample, again, who's been phenomenal, bats it away. Uh, third and five goes to Orr. Uh, no one was really close, but the the Jets' pressure resulted in United throwing, throwing bad. And then the last one, uh, fourth and fifth, or was the closest one, but just sailed away. He didn't have a good pick or good throw. And Jets take over on their own 19. It's pretty much over at this point. Uh, Kurt Gowdy on commentary is pretty much uh, giving a blowjob to Unitas, uh, saying, give him credit. Okay, I get that. I get that. I mean, for, for the time, I guess for that point in time, would they not do the same thing for Brady in his yeah. last year for everything? I mean, like in, in retrospect, well, as I'm watching this, it's like, do you not know it's kind of over and he was outplayed, but they would do the same thing today. They would have done it for Brady last year. They will do that for, I don't know about Rogers. A lot of people don't like <laughs> Rogers. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you've got a Unitas is towards the end of his career. He's gonna he's gonna play a few more years. Um, they don't they don't know that they they, just they don't know they, that. But know that yeah, you're right. He sort of has this clean cut image, right? And he's in the quarterback, you know, mm-hmm. kind of at the top tier in the NFL for about a decade. Um, well respected, well known, and yeah, they're giving him his kudos, even though yeah, uh, it, it's it's in a losing cause in which. He didn't start. He did come in, kind of got them going, but at the end fell short. Yeah, a lot, a lot of time left, but still, yeah, they're they're kind of, you know, in the in the in the top of the end of the season game in the Super Bowl, kind of giving him creds for, you know, for acknowledgement of a career, even though this game is not by any means his best game or the cherry on top of his career. It certainly wasn't. I think also too, like even though that the Hall of Fame was only six years old at this point, but it's safe to say that if you and I were watching that game live at that point, and you and I as Hall of Fame connoisseurs, right, we know that there's only one person on that field at that point in our yeah. mind. Yeah. Who's the first ballot Hall of Famer? It's Johnny Unitas. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh Kurt's passing him a little bit of kudos and and uh acknowledging the greatness that's there although the timing context is a bit off 
it, it was because it was it was sort of time to sort of like uh you do that a little bit maybe after i don't know uh the jets uh do a great job uh eating more clocks snell get rushes for three three times gets another first down gets them to the first uh the two minute warning and they ate another minute 45 until they had a punt united had two plays it doesn't matter because it was over they had 15 oh. seconds left uh game over uh game itself as i'm re-watching this or not re-watching it because i was watching it for the first time was not the most exciting game i had far more fun watching the ice bowl but the historian in me actually got a bigger kick out of this knowing what this propelled for me yeah i mean i don't I, I, you probably felt maybe a little bit differently i don't know because i think you probably watched some of the other stuff more than i had prior to uh yeah but it, you know, it is interesting. I mean, we maybe we maybe we referenced this before we got started. Mm-hmm. It's a game that its legacy is bigger than the actual game that was played. Right. You know, it it it, it really wasn't an appealing game. Not really a lot of highlights. If there were highlights, they were more of a negative than the pop. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at the highlights of this game. You know, you see the one touchdown by the Jets because it's, you know, <laughs> it, it's the it's the B-key touchdown. That's it. And then, you, as I said before, you see the, the famous image of Namath running off the field into the tunnel from the back with, with the finger right. up in the air. That's it because there really wasn't else. Um, and it, it really wasn't a game that that resonates in history except for the context that we referred to with the first win by – you know the AF, the AFL, and and, and the, the first time they could say, "Hey, we're an equal to the, the NFL in terms of these matchups," and, and we're you know we're going to win the merger, full merger in a few more years. That uh, being, but you know what I also find interesting when you when we went through this play by play, right? It's pretty clear, right, that the Jets dominated the whole game, right? Right. Um. Yeah, they didn't score all the points with the missed field goals. And we have the Colts trying to come back a little bit. But, you know, it's incredible. So I look at the stats. I was just looking at them uh, a little while ago. How evenly matched this game really was if you simply look at the stats. Because, you know, first downs, the Jets had 21. The Colts had 18. When you look at net yards rushing, almost equal, 142 to 143. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at the um, passing yards, the Jets 195, the Colts 181. So the total net yards are pretty close. Now, as we know, the one stat you always need to look at is turnovers. And the Jets had zero interceptions. The Colts had four. Mm. A fumble's lost. And both teams had one and lost. So net turnovers, the Jets had one. Right. And the Colts had five. Mm. That's your game, right? I mean... Yeah, turnovers were killing him, as we pointed out in the play-by-play. They weren't just, I mean, every turnover hurts, but turnovers when you're driving the ball, turnovers that you lose points, and you the other team then gets possession and turns them into points, just kill the Colts in this game. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and also, too, I think what helps, when we talk about historical perspective, there's nothing comparison or to compare. Uh it's not like any football league is going to pop up and then sort of like yeah. do this again. Uh, a decade later, the WHA tried something 
in hockey right. and realistically it wasn't quite the same they were able to get four teams into the nhl yeah. but it wasn't in terms of any there was no doubt amongst anyone what hockey league was a superior one uh nor did it sort of play out that way uh there is no basketball even when they tried you know with the aba same thing it was almost mirror image uh to what happened with the nhl there's what happened here can never happen again in american sports maybe even european sports and soccer i don't see how that's even remotely possible it it just isn't the chasm's too big yeah yeah it's uh yeah it, 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 it has that key point in in modern sports history as well as obviously the uh, pro you know, history of pro football in the NFL, mm. be a marker or a point in history that is set. Mm. And yeah, time will go by, decades will go by. But 100 years from now, whoever sits down and decides you know, to write the 200-year history of pro football. Vinny might still be alive. It'll be, a, it, will never, it, it will be surpassed by perhaps other big moments, but as a moment itself, it's never gonna go away. Right. Um, it's 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 built there, and like I say, to this day, um, it's it's still pointed to in the Super Bowls today, and it's 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 crazy because there isn't really a lot of great highlights to show, but it gets mentioned, you know. And if you look at the comparative stats, I mean, uh, Nemeth went seventeen for twenty-eight for two hundred yards, no TDs, no interceptions, uh, an eight point eighty-three point three rating by today's measure. Average, below average game in the era, probably a little bit, you know, average or above average. You compare that to our, our friend Earl went six for 17 for 71 yards with three, three interceptions. Not all his fault, but again, they're his and a 9.3 rating. Um, wow. Wow. I mean, uh, just like horrific. And then even Johnny Unite is coming in, you know, throwing more. So it went 11 for 24. The one interception, you know, granted he only had about a quarter and a half or so to do that. Um, and then you look at the rushing game you, and the two best players from a statistical point of view. And again, not uncommon for the era was our buddy Matt now who you mentioned over and over and over, mm. and, you know, 30 carries for 121 yards. Does, does it show how many first downs he got or no? Uh, no, but you're right. Go through the play by play, the critical plays are all there. Yeah. Touchdown, um, as long as it was 12 yards, just over four yards of carry, which I don't think is horrific for the air and the way defenses were brutal. Um, and then, you know, for the Colts, uh, Tom Maddy, 11 carries, 116 yards, a, a big 58 yarder, which kind of blows that up. But those are your guys. Um, and I think going into this, I knew who Matt now was um I, I knew he played a major role in this game it highlights how much he did and he he, he sort of gets lost because of not only did, did Nemeth make the prediction and was a quarterback and was a pretty boy and you know was a celebrity um but you know he you know he had a, he had a decent game and all of that wrapped in makes him the MVP and yet as we've pointed out earlier Matt Schnell really was the best player in this game, at least from stats, and mm -hmm. I think we argue from impact plays, really. Yeah, uh, I loved watching this. Uh, so I guess the question that we have is, are we going to do Super Bowl four next? Or, or, I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, that's, that's a 
Good question. Um, you know that I mean, the story is not exactly there, but at this point, I I, I think we, I kind of feel we have to do every Super Bowl and then every major playoff game going into it. Uh, I mean, there's going to be some blowouts, uh, especially when we get to the '80s. Ugh. Jesus, I, I don't think. I mean, we didn't do Super Bowl two. I don't think we have to hold ourselves to doing every one. I I think we can selectively we'll, we'll, we'll decide. Okay, so we'll just think that. about what's the next one. Fine, and maybe maybe sure. it's the next Super Bowl. Um, there's a couple other games right mm-hmm. in the early '70s um, that aren't Super Bowls. Right, there's a couple key um, conference and then champ league right indoor conference championship. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I think if, if the pace we're going, I don't think we want to do everything. I think we can bypass. <laughs> That's my fault. <laughs> that aren't entertaining, but more importantly, I think for our role, didn't yeah. have an impact. Super right. Bowl had an impact. Super Bowl three had an impact in legacy. Mm. And going forward, we know that it won't. We won't have to skip too many years ahead, probably, to find a game that's right. worthy of the stories behind it, of the history of who, of the impact of the game, the game itself, and the players that are in there that we want to highlight. Okay. Uh, so we'll figure that out after, but here's something that is sort of locked in. Uh, unfortunately, over the last few weeks, I've had a few issues that sort of came up and just going to raise one up here. Dad, love you. Uh, he passed away a couple weeks ago. Uh, so this show is dedicated to him. Uh, but one thing that I was sort of working on before with Jack Silverstein, our good friend, is we're sort of like doing uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame review or is as if it would have started in 1950. Right. And uh, obviously Paul's going to be a part of that. Uh, a few of us are going to be a part of that. But if you want to be a part of that, contact us. Because uh, we are going to, we're putting together sort of our own voting body to see if, how would it would have played out if they would have done it 13 years earlier? More or less based on the same parameters. Uh, right. A few things a little bit differently. And see how it sort of would work out and that's uh something it's obviously not official or anything because we're not the pro football hall of fame no but we we can get it right the first time and we've talked about this and other folks might be aware you know one of the challenges we face with the pro football hall of fame and, and unfortunately it continues to this day was the lag and delay in getting a lot of deserving players in because unlike on the hockey and basketball which started I think, in the 40s and baseball in the 20s you know, we had almost 40 years of professional football before there was a Hall of Fame. Right. And exactly. taking decades to catch up. And to some extent, some of those players were forgotten. And it has ripple effects because you're decades later, you're trying to get players in before you established it. And that's that's pushed other players back. So if we a fresh start, you know, in 1950 and start to build classes up, right. one we're going to elect many of the same people that were elected the first 10 years of the pro football, but we're going to get some guys in earlier who just who waited longer or were bypassed. And we're going to work out and hopefully eliminate a lot of the ripple effects of guys that were impacted, who were eligible in the 60s, 70s and 80s, who just didn't get in because there was this lag um, Mm -hmm. earlier generations and then push forward. I think it's a great way to have a fresh start it's 30, roughly 30 years into pro football history and, and by 1950. And so it's a good place to yeah. pause and say, let's have a Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, with the same rules, basically in 1950, yeah. where you retired completely by 1945. Same idea. 
And uh, obviously, we've got a head of our seniors committee. You know who that is. <laughs> yes, <I do. laughs> the youngest person on the whole thing. <laughs> who has a real passion for this and will advocate for a long list of players. And frankly, then the onus becomes on some of the rest of us to, to dig in and get prepared to make our case. Yeah, we can probably quickly come up with a top 10 list of who those guys are. But Absolutely. if we're from 50 on and year by year, we're going to have to have a deep bench of other contenders because we know Vinny's going to have a deep bench of contenders. Absolutely. Well, well, now's a good time to sort of like uh, finish off with a few plugs. Uh, speaking of Vinny, uh, Vinny does a great show for me called Vinny Makes the Hall of Fame Case 4. Uh, it's already up on YouTube where Vinny Makes the Hall of Fame Case for basketball uh, great Max Zizlowski. I can never pronounce that right. And uh, Max was part was a member of the 25th NBA All-NBA All team, and yet he's not in the Hall of Fame. So mm -hmm. uh, Vinny makes a really good case for that. Check that out. Uh, Evan and I, Evan Nolan and I, my uh, cohort and the co-owner of everything that I pretty much do, uh, God, I don't know how that sounds, but, uh, <laughs> but, but my brother from a different mother, uh, we have our weekly hall of fame show. Uh, so check that out weekly. Uh, also too, I, I venture out in other things. So I look at number one songs and weird mm. number one songs. So the last one I just did was Harper Valley PTA. That's going to go up. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. <laughs> it is. But the next one, another, my dad is one of his favorite singers was Freddie Fender. Really? Cool. Yeah. So Freddie Fender went number one with Before the Next Year Drop Falls. So I'm going to do a tribute show to my uh, to my dad. Oh, great. On that. And uh, eventually I'm going to finally get my Small Wonder show out, which is about, uh, which is uh, how the hell was this on national television? The last few weeks have been a bit of a mess, but, you know, we're, we're catching up. We're catching up. So with that, Paul, thank you. I, again, right. I could not do this with a better person. You're the perfect person for this. And if you want to be part of our uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame Revisited, contact us. Uh, not in Hall of Fame on Twitter. Paul, your Twitter? Yeah, it's uh, PFHO um, Hall of Fame Paul. That's how I go by. Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, contact either one of us. Uh, if you haven't contacted us before, just basically just say like uh, what your fan base is and like why you want to do it. I mean, it's not that we're really sort of like vetting that much, but you know. No, but it's great. It's great to have people with different backgrounds, different exactly. history of franchise and players. Nice to get some diversity of of age and interest because that all needs to be in the mix. We want a nice diverse group and not mm -hmm. all of plugging the same era or the same players or the same franchise. So yeah. Broncos. Broncos. We have enough Broncos. <laughs> yeah, we're a little heavy on a couple Mom, of Ron, we love you, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like uh, we are we've got our Bronco fill. Yes. Yeah. And even even our Raiders thing, like, okay, our Raiders guy is the violator. Talk that. <laughs> yeah, that covers it. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> So with that, wherever you are, wherever you may be, stay safe, everybody. All right. Take care.